You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this absolutely beautiful, sunshiny day. And thank you that we are here for a united purpose. Lord, we want to see people come to a knowledge of the truth. And we don't want to just watch it. We want to be working for it. So Lord, teach us how to be effective laborers in our local churches. Help us to give Bible studies and to recruit others to do it and train them and equip them and organize them for service. We know that's why the church was established and we want to do what you've called us to do. So Lord, bless us now as we turn our attention to this topic, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Getting the most out of BSO, establishing your BSO Bible school. Now, what is a Bible school? Now, I've put a lot of, I, I realize I put a lot of questions up there, and I suppose we could actually open the floor to some comments and, and thoughts on this. Uh, but I will say that this is not a made-up term. It's not like, oh, BSO now wants to start this newfangled Bible school in every church. Let me tell you something. In the Seventh-day Adventist church, every local church having a Bible school pre-existed BibleStudyOffer.com. It is a long time understood uh, given that every church has a Bible study ministry called a Bible school that they're operating. Now, for some people, that's like, huh? <laughs> is that really? Yes, it's a thing. I take you to, for exhibit A, let's turn to the church manual. By the way, did anybody bring a church manual with you? It's just a handy resource to have around, by the way. Uh, it, we do have a manual that teaches how to do stuff, so it's handy. If you ever want one, by the way, uh, you can just go online and there's free PDFs of it. You can carry one in your pocket on your smartphone. And, if, and I like to put mine in the reader uh, app on my iPhone so you can actually like search it. So you can keyword search and just zip, 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 zip. Anyway, all right. <laughs> Church manual page 101. It speaks of the Bible school coordinator. That's a job in the local church is someone who coordinates the Bible school. Which, if you're going to have a coordinate coordinator for something, it implies you're going to have the thing itself, right? right. Now, it says here, the Bible school coordinator organizes and coordinates the church's oops, Bible school outreach ministry to the community. So, it doesn't, ironically enough, it doesn't actually give a, defini a definition and a whole how-to guide in the church manual to how to run one. It just assumes everybody's got one. It just writes this position in, you know, the Bible school you all have. This is the person who runs it. Well, okay, but it might be helpful to know what's involved with the Bible school. But either way, it says the Bible school coordinator organizes and coordinates the church's Bible school outreach ministry to whom? To the community. Okay, now when we talk about having a Bible school, this is not saying we're going to have prayer meeting and Bible study and devotional time within our own congregation, right? When we're talking about a Bible school, we're talking about something specifically designed as an outreach to the community, not an inreach to the members. Now, it's going to be operated by the members, and they're going to be edified in doing the work, but its aim and objective is not to build up those who are already in, but to reach out to those who aren't yet. Does that make sense? So the focus of this is an outreach ministry to the community. The coordinator should work closely with the pastor, the interest coordinator, and the personal ministries leader. 
if we had time, we would walk through the job description of pastor, interest coordinator, and personal ministries leader. But just very briefly, um, boy, this one would take, I've got a full five-part series and at least a full hour we could do just on the role of the pastor. But the pastor's job is not to be doing all the work of the church. It's to train and equip the members to be doing the work of the church with them, right? So no wonder this person would work closely with the pastor. The pastor is supposed to be overseeing all the outreach work, but drawing in lay people, training and equipping. Because the next one we're going to talk about is, well, we got an interest coordinator. Now, how many of you come from small churches? Okay, that's everybody. <laughs> Michigan, you know, the Michigan Conference is unique in that it has a lot of churches that aren't particularly large. Now, you go to some conferences, they don't have that many churches, but they're all 100, 200, 300 member or more churches. But the Michigan Conference, the, I don't know the, act, the statistics on it, but I promise you the average church in Michigan doesn't have 100 people. Right? And even in attendance, even if you did have 100 in the books, you're not having 100 people on a Sabbath. That's what I'm saying. Some are those, you know, there are double-digit churches and sometimes single-digit, but most of them float in that 30 to 50 range, right? That's a typical Sabbath. Now, if you ha have you ever looked in the church manual and seen like the, who should be on the church board and who should be on the personal ministries council? You start reading through it like, there are more people listed than we have in attendance. What are we doing, right? <laughs> And you could look at this, it's like, great, we need a pastor, we need an interest coordinator, we need a personal ministries leader, we need a Bible school coordinator. We, like, well, that's all, the, that's all of us. <laughs> yeah. We understand that, okay? So in a lot of circumstances, what you'll probably have is a well-intended pastor who's juggling multiple churches and a handful of dedicated people, if that, to do most everything else in the local church. Yeah. Okay, so if you, wait a minute, I am the personal ministry leader, and the instructor coordinator, now I've got to run a Bible school? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you could say, like, I'm head deacon, and I'm Bible school coordinator, and I'm also the whatever. And the same thing with the ladies. It shouldn't be surprising if you wear multiple hats. But the good thing in this area, all right, personal ministries, the Bible school is a function of personal ministries. Okay? And what do you do with interests who come and express interest in your church? Well, you want to study the Bible with them, right? So they all fit together nicely. So if you're already the interest coordinator and you don't have another person, you can be the Bible school coordinator. That's not a big deal. The issue is not the individual people, like I need one over here and then another one over here. It's the function all working together regardless of how many people you have in it. Is that making sense? So what you want to accomplish is have a mindset where whether we have a large church or small church, we are going to be organized for service, and if it's three of us, that's what we got. If it's ten of us, we're going to do that. Okay? We're going to get into what's the, most, what's the most minimal amount of people. Most minimal. Can you do that to the English language? <laughs> what's the minimalistest? <laughs> what's the least amount of people <laughs> you need to have to operate a decent Bible school? We'll come back to that in just a second, but I want you to be thinking about it. Start gearing up, like, what would be involved if we are going to have an outreach ministry, what people would we need, and what stuff would we need to run it? Okay? But let's keep going. By the way, this is everything the church manual says about it. It just implies everybody has a Bible school, and there should be somebody running it. That's it. So, since it didn't give a definition of a Bible school, I wrote my own. Here we go. <laughs> and if you disagree with it, you write your own. <laughs> but this is what I got. 
A ministry that, and we could go, we could spend an hour on each of these verbs, okay? That recruits, trains, equips, and organizes whom? Church members to regularly give Bible studies to non-Adventists. Two, the target, the target is to non-Adventists, right? But you bring up a great point. As the Bible school coordinator, your objective is to get out there. That's right. Of course, you're going to be, even if there's not another Seventh-day Adventist in the planet, you're going to be a, 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 a light bearer in the darkness you live around, okay? But if you're in a position of leadership in your local church, you have a responsibility not only to stand out on your own, but to help other people get involved with that ministry and teach them and equip them and organize them for service. So, we'll get to that. But think about what I'm saying here. It's a ministry that, first of all, recruits other people. If we're going to be going out and giving Bible studies in the community, you are one person and you can give a certain number of Bible studies. But your influence of your church is limited because you're the one. You're it. So, for instance, if your local church right now did a mailing or did some sort of advertising, social media, put up a billboard, did something, right? Or had a challenge. Let's all go get by, let's go door to door and ask for Bible studies. You know what would happen? You would get Bible study interests. And everyone would sing the doxology and then the penny would drop. Wait a minute. How do we deal with it? What do we, how do we follow up on these? What do we do with them, right? I can promise you right now, most people probably think the hindrance is we don't, know, we don't have people to study the Bible with. That's not the issue. The issue in most churches is we don't have the people who are going to go follow up with the interests. I promise you, boy, this is going to be a... I can't make it a guarantee or promise, but I can... From my own experience, it certainly seems that it's far easier to get non-Adventists interested in receiving Bible studies than it is to get Adventists willing to give the Bible studies. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that commentary. I want that script to be flipped. I want it to be totally the opposite. I don't want people to be, you know, but I would love it to be the case that, man, we've got all these people willing, chomping at the bit. We just can't find interests. We could do a whole lecture and we could get you interest right now today. Most churches, the issue, the bottleneck of their growth is the commitment of individual members to follow up and do that arduous, tedious, time-consuming, frustrating task of meeting these new people, getting your schedule set up, going through the Bible lessons, dealing with difficult passages or something like that, and actually doing the work of leading people into the truth through that personal connection. I think we all understand that this precious message needs to go to the world, but there seems to be a tendency, especially when we have an online ministry, well, why can't they just click online and do it? Why can't they just get them in the mail? What? There are plenty of those types of ministries out there, and praise the Lord for them. But there is nothing that takes the place of that interpersonal, one-on-one, -on -one, or small group, or church fellowship dynamic, where people minister to people. We cannot... Uh, let me look up this statement real quick. But she said, everywhere there's a tendency to substitute the work of individuals for organized committees and large charities, right? And she talks about the, Sister White talks about the danger of that to our own soul. To say like, oh good, we've got a machine to do it now. And let me tell you, that's one of my biggest frustrations I've had with BibleStudyOffer.com. It's not getting me enough interests. It's not doing this. It, 
It's like buying a really fancy shovel and be like, it doesn't do any good ditch digging. No, it is a tool to help you do it. It's not to take the place of, it's to enhance. See what I'm saying? It's not a substitute for, it's just a supplement to help you. Right, and there's a legitimate fear, but it may be an illegitimate response to say like, I'm afraid we might get too many, therefore we won't. Well, your fear is legitimate, but the therefore, let's go a different direction. So we, we got to keep going, but go ahead, brother, real quick. Yeah, and what we're, what we're starting to venture into is now as to how to maintain a Bible study interest and how to develop it. What right now we're talking about the behind the scenes of the church, but I will very briefly tell you, and we're going to cover this, I think, on Friday, but you know, repetition is good for the soul. Um, when Jesus gave the parable of the sower who went out to sow his seed and it fell on different types of ground, right? How many different types did he mention? Four, right? There was the pathway, and you remember what happened to those folks? They heard it, psh, in and out, done. Okay? The next was the stony ground, and it had a little bit of soil, but it couldn't put down roots, so it sprang up, but when difficulty came, it, it, it dried up and withered away. Okay? The next one was the... I'm not trying to be a quiz, I'm just walking. It was the thorns, right? The thorny ground, and there were all these weeds and thorns and thistles and stuff. Well, it choked out. So they did put down root, but they never brought forth fruit. So by the way, they're still in the ground, but they're not doing anything. They're just kind of there, surviving. And the fourth one was the good soil that did grow and produce fruit. Now, we've rehearsed that, but have you ever thought about the logic of this? The aim was to produce fruit, right? Most didn't. Three-fourths. 75% of Jesus' own teaching about the work of soul winning said most isn't going to work the way you want it to. And we, we should think about that for a minute. It's, it's, this is a difficult, and people's going to say, well, I don't like doing drop-offs, or we don't get enough to follow through all the way, or they only go part way, and it gets, it's exactly what happens. So what we need to do is not, I mean, we can improve our tools and our techniques, but we also need to change our expectations. Like, hey, we've got this really good logo and it's a great ministry and great Bible study guides and once they taste it, they're going to just drink from the fountain. Well, not necessarily, but that's just dealing with the heart. That's, where, that's just a reality. But we got to keep moving. Sister, real quick. Yeah, and we're drifting into Friday's stuff, but Pastor Howard. But anyway, this is ministry and if you're the Bible study leader or at least you're or coordinator or you're going to be involved with it, which by the way, I'm assuming you're going to go back and volunteer to be the coordinator because you're the only one who knows anything about it now. So, all right. <laughs> But that means I've got four things at least I want to try to do in my mind. I want to recruit helpers. I want to figure out how to train them, whether it's to give them video resources or just take them along with me and, and, or just talk through the stuff or whatever it is. I want to equip them. I need to have resources to put in their hand, materials, tools, right? And then organize them. All right, so what are we going to do first? How's it going to work in the logistics? Like those four ideas are basically what's supposed to be rattling around in your mind as you're thinking about developing or enhancing your church's Bible school. Okay, again, with the goal of reaching out to non-Adventists, not just visiting with them, but to give, to regularly give Bible studies to non-Adventists. That's your objective. All right, so what do I need to start a Bible school in my church? Well, I would say your Bible school needs two things. Two things. You need your team and you need your tools. Okay, you need your people and your products. <laughs> I can't think of any more alliterative ways to say that, you know, 
but you basically need the people and you need the stuff to give the people. We're gonna talk first of which of these two things is the most important. Yeah, if you had to have, you could have a, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about all the fun tools you could have. You could have a beautiful Bible study offer kiosk and sign up thing and business cards and glow tracks and bumper stickers and yard signs and you could have all the logo and merchandise. You could, great. You could have a stack of Bible studies and you could have a pile of interests who would like that stuff. But if you don't have the people to do it, you're sunk. Now flip that around. What if you have earnest, sincere people, but they don't have the best tools? You're going to make some progress. In fact, you're going to make pretty good progress. So if you had to choose between the two, I would focus my time on developing that team. Trying to get other people in your church to have the same vision as you and work alongside you and be helpers in this Bible study ministry. So let's talk about why is Amazon Prime so popular? Anybody here? Are you familiar with Amazon and Amazon Prime? Right. What's the, what is the thing that makes it so great in your own, in your own expectation? Some of you might hate it. That's okay. But for free shipping, all right? Quick. It's easy, right? You go to the website. Oh, and they've got everything under the sun. Literally everything. I can't... This, the, the, the level of minutia, of little detaily things we buy off of Amazon.com right now, would you used to just run down to a hardware store, run, no, no, just get it on Amazon. They'll get it here quicker than I can go down to the store and come back. Right? So they've got everything. It's quick. It's easy. You know what you want. They've got it. Then they whoom, ship it over in a van and you know it's coming down the street. Oh, it's, it's just, ah, this is great. So it's reliable. It's fast. It's got all these tools and everything like this. But... For all of those tools that come with it, if they didn't have the people to drive the van and stock the warehouse and ship the merchandise and deliver it to your door, Amazon could have all the logos, it could have all the vans, it could have the website, but if it didn't function, it'd be done. Right? The thing that makes it so great is this whole sea of people who go out and fulfill those things. So, we love it whenever, you know, the Amazon driver pulls up on the door and our kids, hey, there's a driver there. By the way, they can get glow tracks too. <laughs> and it always helps to seed your glow track with a little bit of candy. It just always sweetens the deal. Put a mint in there, a little something. They like that. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. That's what you need. The Bible and chocolate to run a good Bible school. But the point is, what makes them so great is not the tool. Now, we're familiar with all the logo and all the, 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 the user interface. But the heart of it is those people behind the scenes doing the work, right? That's the same thing with Bible study. By the way, I would love, this is my prayer, this is my daydream, is that Bible study offer could be as effective and efficient in delivering what people are asking for as Amazon is and doing with their. If they can do this for ramen noodles and screwdrivers <laughs> and get it there in two days or less, when someone says, hey, I'm interested in studying the Bible. Why are they sitting around for two weeks? By the way, this righteous indignation, we've built that into the new BibleStudyOffer.com framework. We're not going to allow local churches to keep having people say, I want Bible studies and then not following up. We're shortening the time of delivery and saying if you don't match up with it, you're going to be on the naughty list. We'll come up with a better phrase than naughty list, but you understand what I'm saying for now. But the point is, the heart and soul of any successful enterprise that ministers to people is the people. It's the bottom line. So we came, let's come back to that question. What's the minimum number of people? What's the smallest amount of people that is necessary to run a Bible school? 
I thought about one. I think we should go with two. Even though technically you get away with having one person be the coordinator, be the every, and be the Bible study giver, right? The, the individual study leader. You could do that. Now, the challenge is you like to go as often as possible in the team of two to go give a Bible study. So if you think of like, we would send them out two by two, you want to be a team bound. You can fulfill a Bible study by one person, but it's best if you have two. So I'd say the ideal smallest is two, but I guess technically you could have one person that does everything. But think about this. If you, again, go back to our rhetorical. If you only had one person who was, rec- it w- was advertising and then following up with all those Bible studies, how many Bible studies can one person do? I mean, a handful, a few, three, four, five, maybe a week. Now, if they're drop-offs, okay, I could have, you could, maybe that's the benefit of drop-offs. They don't take a lot of time, so I could do 20 of them. But even that, I mean, you're just driving down, you're driving here, driving there. It, it's, you still have to plan it. And so the, the real heart is even the Bible school coordinator to make sure that you have the resources available, make sure that interests are followed up on time, make sure that those things are, that's an important task in and of itself. But the real, the real thing that we need so many more of is the study leaders. Now, these are not people who have to like worry about stocking and resource, the resource table. They, they just have to be willing to go when someone says, I would like more information. I'm interested in what you're offering. Please bring me these studies. And you're right. Most of them, the overwhelming majority, are going to be drop-offs. Now, as frustrating as that is, let's think about it from a recruiting standpoint. <laughs> How long out of your, how much time out of your week does it take to do a drop-off Bible study? Not that much. You could say maybe an hour because I got to get the stuff together. I got to drive to the place. I might have an interaction at the door. The drive back home. Okay. But, I mean, top to bottom, we're talking an hour. All in. And how much interpersonal skill do you need to do a drop-off Bible study? Not much. I mean, this is some low-hanging fruit. This is some easy pickings. So think about that in mind. Now, we don't want to lower their bar. We talk about this all the time when we're trying to get people to say yes to stuff on nominating committee. You give them the rounded off, the low, the watered down, like, oh, don't worry, an elder, we just sit on the platform every couple of months or something. It's like, (laughs) what we don't want to do is diminish the role of Bible study leaders so they don't think they have anything to do. But the reality is, it's not like it takes a degree to go out and start being a Bible study leader in your local church. It's a pretty simple task that much, many, many, many more people could and should be doing. So I would say you need a Bible school coordinator and you need a fleet of as many Bible study leaders as you can possibly lead on. We could talk about, well, let's talk about that right now. Christian service, page 61, because you might be thinking, how do I get, and you might be thinking of a person or how do I get people? How do I get members? How do I get this one to do? And you now have entered into the realm of every local church leader the number one question they ask about everything is how do I get fill in the blank to do fill in the blank? Whatever it is, how do I get this person to do this thing? Okay. We're going to talk about that. In every church, how many? Every. every church. The members should be so trained that they will devote time to the winning of souls to Christ. Okay? This is our spiritual expectation that 
every church is a training school and every member is a missionary. That's the expectation of inspiration. In every church, the members should be... Notice it didn't say some members should be so trained. It just said the members. In every church, the members should be so trained that they will devote time to the winning of souls to Christ. Now, that's interesting. It didn't just say they'll put their effort into it. It's so interesting to me that she highlights devoting of time. That means you're going to have to sit down. Like, what does it mean to devote time? You're going to take time. You're going to consciously look at your calendar, look at your schedule, and carve out and say, I'm going to commit myself to this. Think about this. What, whenever, whenever people devote funds, you give a pledge drive and say, I'm going to commit this much money. You, I mean, it sounds great. I'm going to give $10,000. But if you don't have $10,000 to give, that's not helping the church to promise something you can't deliver. So what do you need to do first? Sit down, look at your budget. What can I give? What will I commit with the Lord? And then I will expect. It wasn't it Jesus who told us to do what? Count the cost. We should do the same thing with our time as we do with our money. Budget it and say, okay, what can I reasonably give here? Or what can I sacrificially commit to here? if this is going to be part of my life. And apparently, we have to train people to do that. That Bible study ministry is vital to the church, and I'm called to be a missionary. That means I need to look at my, not just bank account, but my calendar, my schedule, and devote time okay, to the winning of souls to Christ. How can it be said of the church? Ye are the light of the world. Listen to the logic of this. I love this. How can it be said of the church, ye are the light of the world, Unless the members of the church are actually imparting light. <laughs> Isn't that just so self-evidently beautiful? Like, how are you going to be light if you're not shining? If you're not actually imparting light. Let those who have charge of the flock of Christ awake to their duty and set many souls to work. So this idea of having a team of Bible study leaders in every church, that's a newfangled thing. No, it's not. If we were to go back and look at the history of the church, and I mean all the way back to the early church, it was a Bible study movement where people would go present as individuals, spread the word of God. Think about in Acts chapter 8, right? After Stephen was stoned and a great persecution arose and they were all scattered. And what does it say next? Anybody know? And they went everywhere preaching the word. By the way, in Acts chapter 8, what I failed to quote right there is they were all scattered, comma, except the apostles. And those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. It was a lay-driven evangelistic model. That's how the church was built. By the way, that's how the Seventh-day Adventist church was built. We didn't have settled pastors. We didn't expect the evangelist to do all the work. There was a partnership of members, and that's what was the expectation. So, how do I get blank, you can fill in the blank, this person to do this thing? Because you might be thinking, all right, I've got a church of 20 people, or at least people who attend, and I've got nine board members, and two elders, and three deacons, and how do I get, you might be thinking, this team to do this thing, or even one person, how do I, how do, I do it? I would submit to you that the secret to success in motivating or moving the work in your local church is how you wield two distinct but complementary powers. You have two powers. Now, you have authority 
and you have influence. Let me give you the quick background of where this little section we're going to talk about, about authority and influence, came from. We were doing a training event at Camp Asabal, and I don't remember if it was Sabbath school workshop or if it was, I think it was personal ministries weekend, something like that. One of those that, you know, we hold regularly. And this question came up again. We have a Q&A session at the end of it. And every single time we ever do a Q&A, it's always, how do I get my church members to do whatever? Pray. I, I don't laughingly say that, but we often just say, hey, like, well, just pray for them. We should pray for them. And I mean earnestly. Having said that, there's more to just to our, our responsibility than just praying and hoping that it happens. There's two powers you can wield. Asking certainly helps, <laughs> but let's get there. How do we ask? Now, I, I say that I wanted to tell you the story of this because this is what happened. This is an actual occurrence of what happened. Pastor Howard and I were doing the Q&A together, and I believe we're going to do Friday session together, okay? So it'll be like an episode of Talking Points. We're just going to argue with each other and you get to watch it. Um, but when someone asked that question, I spoke up first and I gave, I felt, a very good answer. I said, you got to win people, come alongside them, influence them, right? And, and give an example, encourage them, right? Just weave yourself into the fabric of their lives and they'll come along with you, right? Now, I think it's still a great answer. Pastor Howard, on the other hand, came along and he said, yeah, yeah, I mean, now this is me paraphrasing him since he's out of the room. Yeah, that's, a, that's okay. That's, that's all fine. But you realize that you've been voted into office to do a job. <laughs> and as personal ministries leader, your job description is to get people active in the work. You're not doing it as a personal favor. You're doing it as a duty. <laughs> so my job says I have to do this. I'm not like asking you, to, can I borrow some stuff? No, no, no. You're supposed, I'm enlisting you, right? You have a, and by the way, well, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about your authority. Now, let's say that you are elected or appointed, or commissioned, or however your local church does it, puts you in charge of some aspect of personal ministry work, whether it's the personal ministry's leader, the interest coordinator, the Bible school coordinator, but some function in this realm. How many of you currently hold some position in your church like that? Okay, so it's already most of you. And for the rest of you, it's going to be, because you went to the seminar. <laughs> and they're going to come back and say, hey, you did that Bible school thing. We need you to run that. You just accidentally got elected to office, okay? But that's what's going to happen. And nominating committee is a beautiful thing because they, the, I love the nominating committee process because you get an organizing committee to say, all right, who should be the nominating committee? And they select the nominating committee. And the nominating committee then gets voted into their task by the whole church body. They say, these are the people we want choosing our people. Okay, so the whole body says, go pick us some people. Okay, so then they pick people. And friends, somebody picked you. Now that somebody was, you're not doing a personal favor to them when you accepted that nominee. They were speaking on behalf of the church. They said, we as a church want you to do this task. So when you go back to the church members then and say, can you help me? No, no, you're not helping me. I'm doing my job and my job is get you to do your job. See what I'm saying? And you can't say, oh, you're taking a power chip. No, 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 no. Because you empowered me. <laughs> You've empowered me to come get you. <laughs> and 
And I know we don't think about it that way, but that's what it is. When you're elected to a leadership position in your local church, especially in the personal ministry realm, their job is to get everybody else to do their job. So should you be sweet as honey and influence them? Yes. Should you have authority to command? Yes. Now, what if you had the authority without any of the sweetness? Nobody going to follow you, right? But if, what, what if you were all sweetness, but you had no authority whatsoever? Well, they're just doing a personal favor. So what you want to do is combine those two influences, your personal influence and your delegated authority. Okay. By the way, trick question, it's not, but uh, let's think about it. Why do we follow Jesus? Because we love him, right? Is that the only reason? He said so. <laughs> All right, a couple of passages for it. Right, let's, let's, we'll come back to that in a minute. I'm going to plant that seed in your head. So be thinking, why do I follow Jesus? It's a good thing to think about at camp meeting. Your authority, now I want to distinct, dis, differentiate between your authority and your office and your influence as a person. There are two balancing things, both we want firing on all pistons. First of all, your authority is not linked to who you are as a person or your personality or your name or your, it's linked to your position that you hold. I'm not coming to you as Betty or John. I'm coming to you as personal ministries leader. I'm coming to you as Bible school coordinator. I'm coming to you as interest coordinator. This is my job. It's tied not to me, but to the position. It's delegated, as we talked to, by the church. They give that to you. You don't, like, assume that. Now, I hope that there are churches who don't operate that way. Like, I'm going to be the leader now. That's not true authority. True authority is delegated by the people who you lead. Thus, authority is not developed over time. It's given in a moment. You go to church that day, and you're not the interest coordinator. When they vote the nominating committee report, now you're the interest coordinator. It's when that second person, that, 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 that second reading is done, all in favor say, aye, aye. Boom, you're it. Instantly, you just became something. It's also temporary. Just as quick as it comes, it'll go. So it's not tied to you as a person, it's not grown over time, and it's not assumed by you individually, it's delegated to you by the church. Now, your influence, on the other hand, is linked to the person you are, even if you have no office whatsoever. When I went to the local church that I currently attend, I held no position. It was the craziest thing. I went from being a pastor for like 20 years, and I never had to choose where to go to church. It was part of my assignment. This is your district. This is where you go. So now I'm in the office, and I have a different job responsibility, and I get to think about where to go to church. I've never thought about where to go to church before. And I didn't hold an office. I'm not even currently serving as a local elder or local deacon. Now I am a personal ministries leader, <laughs> and I'm a Sabbath school teacher, but by the way, it's not for adult Sabbath schools, it's for children's Sabbath school. But even if I had no job whatsoever, my wife and I made a determination, we're going to help move this church and grow it by God's grace through our personal influence. So even if no one asks me to be a greeter, I'm going to greet all the new people. And if they didn't ask me to buy Bible school, whatever, I'm going to look for opportunities to give Bible studies. And I'm going to, it's just going to come out of me as a person, apart from the position, right? We need that mindset in every member, that apart from your position, I've got this commitment, okay? Now, influence is developed by the individual, not granted by the group. So you build it up over time, 
And that's where the next one is. It's grown over time when you have personal relations with people and you start being the person. That, by the way, you want to grow your personal influence in the local church? You want to be, have a lever of influence? Show up to everything that ever happens. Your influence will skyrocket. And this person at prayer meeting, they come on time to Sabbath school. They stew through the end of church. They contribute to the potluck. <laughs> That's a deacon right there. That's a <laughs> and you don't have to like advertise, vote me for the... It just, they just notice, right? The number one way to gain credibility and influence with your church members is to show up to stuff. Just be around. Just be active, okay? And influence is not temporary. It's long-lasting. You can take it with you. It's apart from the office. You combine those two ideas of authority, that's my job, and my influence, it's winsome. And that's going to really help move people, okay? So again, why do we follow Jesus? Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all what? Authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore. What does therefore mean? In light of what? The authority that's been given to me, because I have authority now, I'm sending you. Why do we go on the Great Commission? Is it because we love Jesus? Yes. But is that the only reason? No. No. It's a command. He's got authority. He said to do it. So we do it. So Jesus operates from a base of authority. Is there anything wrong about that? No. No. It's his job. And it better be our job. At the same time, this is the same Jesus who also said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So do we serve Jesus because we love him or because he commands us? Yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. Let's think about that in our own life. Which is more important in your leadership, delegated authority or personal influence? You combine those, you got good stuff going on. Thus, I would tell you, whatever responsibility you've been entrusted with in local church, we should lead like Jesus. Confident in our authority and tender and winsome in our attitude. It's the best answer I can give you. Christian Service, page 59. Many would be willing to work, by the way, if they were taught how to what? Begin. Is it possible there are people who don't do things because they're afraid they don't know how? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's understand that that might be a a roadblock to building your Bible school team. And think, okay, this is probably the reality then, now as it was then. So what do they need? Well, let's go to the next sentence. They need to be instructed and encouraged. So teach them, encourage them, add a girl, add a boy, come on, you're doing good. Not, not, you know, talking down to them kind of thing. But we all need to grow. Everybody understands that. Every church should be a what kind of school? A A training school. I think a lot of times we end up being a preaching center when we're called to be a training school. Nothing wrong with preaching. We need good preaching. And I praise the Lord, we're in the Michigan Conference, we got good preaching most every church, most every Sabbath. Praise the Lord. But more than preaching is needed to do the work of the church. Pastor Howard touched on that the other day. More than sermonizing, it's that real house-to-house work, heart-to-heart work. Every church should be a training school for Christian members. Its members should be taught how to, and the first, now she lists off several things, but what's the first thing that comes to her mind when talking about the work of members in the local church? Members should be taught how to give what they called then Bible readings, what we call now Bible studies. How to open the scriptures and walk people into a relationship with Jesus and a commitment to present truth. 
how to conduct and teach Sabbath school classes. That's a rebuke to our department too, but we need to do more training of how to teach. That's why we even have talking points. Let me just say two words about this real quick. It's more than two words, but figuratively. Talking points is not a substitute for your local Sabbath school class. It's a preparation for it so that you can contribute better on the day. For instance, there's a reason we don't like do it in a church setting and be all suit and tie with our Bibles. We're not trying to make it look like a Sabbath school class. I love filming days in the office because I don't have to wear the suit and tie kind of thing, you know? I don't have to have the full dress code because we're, do- but we want it to be for the purpose and it's, it's short, it'll take the whole amount of time. Now, I've been to churches where they actually play it on the, as the Sabbath school thing. If you have to in a pinch, I'm not going to rebuke. I understand everybody's situation is different, but the ideal that we're shooting for is to train both the teachers and the members so they can have better Sabbath school experiences. We actually want to train them. So the best way to train them is actually go through the lesson. There you go. And it works. By the way, if you do watch Talking Points, I would make a little tiny plug for the Emmanuel Institute YouTube page that you watch it through YouTube. Now, you can get it off the memo and on uh, Facebook and all those different things. That's fine. But if you watch it through YouTube, you know what happens? Yeah. It's gotten to the point now that there are enough people watching it that we get money back from YouTube. And so we now have the funds to, I mean, not that we didn't have funds before, we have added funds to help out develop more resources. Does it have to be liked each time or just me. I don't understand the algorithm, but I promise you it's always better if you not just watch it, but you subscribe to the channel you like the video or, you know, those added little, any little interactions you can do, like, I'll subscribe to this, I'll like this thing, or I'll pass it, share it with a friend, whatever, like, subscribe, share. We don't have comments turned on, but you could do that. You understand the reason we don't have comments turned on, right? Do you know how crazy that would get? So we're just, we're just not having it. We get enough comments already. It's fine. No, but this isn't about talking points, so we got to get back to our point. Okay, subscribers is a big thing, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know exactly how the algorithm works, but if you subscribe, plus the benefit to you is if you subscribe, it just automatically, in, put on the notification bell, ding, you, oh, there's a new episode. You don't have to miss it. So, Okay, well, we've got more than that, which is great. Um, and we want to keep building just for the sake of why not? Let's just keep this thing going. But that's not why we started. We started because we wanted to have a tool to help people know how to, it goes back to this training thing, how to conduct and teach Sabbath school class, how best to help the poor and care for the sick, how to work for the unconverted. She goes on to explain, there should not only be teaching, but what? actual work <laughs> under experienced instructors. So don't just preach to them or don't even just teach and lecture to them. What's the best way to learn something? Do By doing it. So going back to your thing, which should we do first, prepare or work? <laughs> well, we can prepare. What's one of the best ways to prepare? Is through work, right? So which comes first? The chicken, just get in. What, what Pastor Howard's favorite passage of all time, I don't want to steal your thunder, but it's, you want us to say it first, shout it out. It's in the water. I'm going to misphrase it, and you're going to be mad at me later, and we're going to have to hear about it. All right. It's in the water and not on land that man learns to swim. Is that right? Thank you. <laughs> but we could talk about swimming. You could watch swimming. You could have inspirational videos about swimming. But that's not swimming. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times in my life I felt like I'm going to get in shape, and I'm going to lift weights, and I'm going to go running, and I'd watch running videos while I'm eating. <laughs> like... 
And I'm like, nope, I don't see the irony yet. <laughs> but we can talk, but that's how we do in the church a lot of times. We go to trainings, we hear inspirational messages with no expectation of actually follow through and doing something. The training school that our church should be should include actual work under experienced instructors. Let the teachers lead the way in working among the people and others. Uniting with them will learn from their example. One example is worth more than many precepts. What do you say? Amen. All right. What tools do I need? Now, we've talked mostly about the team. Why? Because that's their most important element. But I do want to highlight some of the tools that are available through BibleStudyOffer.com because we want you to have the resources to help get a Bible school going or growing in your local church. Tools for following up requests. First of all, these are the things. What's the number one tool, what's the number one resource or material you think you need at your local Bible school to help facilitate the ministry? Bible studies. Bible studies themselves, okay? You can have all the advertisements you want, but you got to have something to follow up with, right? So the number one thing you need are Bible study guides. So let's talk about those for just a minute. A minute. We have a partnership through BibleStudyOffer.com with Amazing Facts, and it is written, and that continues even with the revamped relaunch. We're very excited about that. In fact, it's going to expand because it is written is also now going to be the facilitator of the children's studies. So we're going to have all of them in that umbrella. And they come in packs of 20 individual lessons. So instead of having to buy a set of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, single lessons, you know, pack, you can get them now in individual, just lesson ones. I need 20 lesson ones. Why would you think that's important in a Bible school? <laughs> because the mo you're going to need a lot more number ones. You're going to need number 20s. It's just a number. It, but don't think like, oh, that's discouraging. Remember the, 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 the Jesus analogy, right? Most aren't going to come to fruition. That's okay. But just prepare that way. Think, oh, then I should have more on hand of the early ones than the later ones, okay? That's why we pack them up that way. Landmarks of Prophecy Lessons have an accompany videos. Now, we used to say have DVDs. Now, DVDs, we're going to be transitioning. Right now, the DVDs are still available, but we're going to be making those available online too so that you don't have to have the physical DVD in hand to give the study. The review card itself will have a QR code on it where they can scan their phone. And by the way, it's not just launching into the World Wide Web. We talked with Amazing Facts, and they've given us permission to actually embed those videos separate from Amazing Facts, separate from YouTube, on the back end in a hidden page of BibleStudyOffer.com, so they're not going to get other, like Joe's I Hate the Adventist.com, or something, you know, or some advertisement, or some distraction, or they're not going to jump ahead in the series to, I want to see what's up with the Mark of the Beast. We're not there yet, you know. They're going to get that one video, that's all that's going to be on that page. So they scan that, and they can watch the video along with it. So they can either have the DVD, or in our more mobile-friendly society, that's where things are driving, so we want to be there with it. So Landmarks of Prophecies will still be available uh, through both. For the meantime, they're going to have both DVD and online, but I'm sure the world is moving away from the DVD just like it did the VHS and the uh, whatever the thing was before that. Okay. Since sign-up will be by category, now, Pastor Howard talked about this. Yet We used to just have It Is Written and Amazing Facts. Those are your two options. Now you're going to have three options. One is going to be called Prophecy. And if they select that, most people will receive the Amazing Facts Landmarks of Prophecy series. The other one's going to be Topical Studies, and most people are going to get the It Is Written because we have the bulk pricing and you can stock them up. But if your local church says, we love Thunder in the Holy Land, or we love the Discover series, or we love this, whatever, okay, that's fine. 
because we don't say you're going to get this very thing, that opens local churches to say, but we want to offer some other series of Bible studies. Okay, that's fine too. Praise the Lord. This allows for that. And it also gives us a third option, which is the children's studies. Okay, uh, Other lessons can now be used. But those are the Bible study guides. So the first thing you want to do is get some Bible study guides on hand. So as you're recruiting people, get the tools to go with it. And the Bible study guides are the first thing you start with. Next, study review cards go along with the Bible study guides. Uh, they look like this in the new iteration of them. Uh, basically, it's just a very simple, like, three or four question, like, multiple choice or fill in the blank a little bit, just to make sure they grasp the lesson. And uh, it's our goal to have embedded in here somewhere the QR code for the video if it's a landmark series. So these, aren't, these are not put in the printer yet, and we're finishing up those final details of design, okay? But essentially, by the way, you can see the whole branding goes through everything now. Uh, we've got the highlighter and the little hand-drawn elements and because we're trying to demonstrate that we're not just giving you something to read. We want you to interact with it and be studying it for yourself. That's the subtle undercurrent of everything we're doing with Bible study. It's not just having Bibles or not even just opening the Bible, but studying the Bible, making notes, writing down the answers. We want that hand-drawn element through everything we do now. Anyway, so the study review cards, they hand that back and it gives you an opportunity, even if it's a drop-off study, to have at least a 30-second interaction. Hey, did you appreciate this lesson? Were there any questions you had about this? Oh, great. Here's your next lesson. Here you go. So you're building that because obviously the goal is I want drop-offs become personal, right? And we're still going to make, as Pastor Howard talked about yesterday, the primary, the first stop, the first interaction is personal. So even if you say, I don't want to see you again, oh, no problem. I'll mail these to you. But at least you've seen, put a face and a name to it. Something, okay? All right, so study review cards. You got, this will be a review card answer sheet. I believe we're going to make this one a printable thing instead of having to order it just to save on costs and time. But this is the answer sheet that goes with all those review cards so you can know what all the answers are. You wouldn't want to look at their saying like, I don't know. By the way, if, I don't know how, this is a fine tool, but if you don't know which the heads of gold or something, you need to take the study yourself. <laughs> anyway, and tracking cards and online tracking. First, right now, the only way you know, if the only way we know if a Bible study has been followed up on is if the Bible study leader does the follow-up, then reports it to the coordinator, then the coordinator logs in and puts that information into the Bible study offer system. So we have a very difficult time, wildly inaccurate statistics. Yes. We know exactly how many people have requested, but downstream of that, it's hard to get any information. We want to change that to have better interest tracking. Okay? One of the ways we do it now, we currently have a tracking card. And we'll continue. So every, every individual that you go study with, they have a card and you put their contact information on one side. And you basically just like each week check off the box and what date or whatever they finish this lesson. And you're just keeping track of where they are in their lesson studies. That's the whole purpose of the tracking card. Now, what you can also do with Bible study offer this 2.0 is, and this is the thing I talked about up front, and not everybody's going to see the light in this, but think about it for a minute. Not just local coordinators have a login now to Bible Study Offer, have an account, but every individual study leader will be directly connected to BibleStudyOffer.com. And combine that with the more mobile-friendly interface, that means when you're finished with your lesson study, you just click the little button there. Now, it's not an app, 
but it's built to function like an app. It looks like an app on your phone. It's just not an app. It's, just, it's a web, it's a mobile friendly website. Okay. But the point is you just log in and you probably stay logged in with your, if you get a smartphone, it'll recognize your face, you're on, right? And you can just go, here's my interest. I just click, followed up with them. We just finished lesson three, boom, and I'm done. That's it. And you've just reported back to the whole BibleStudyOffer.com ecosystem what's going on. Instead of having to report back, keep track on paper and find your coordinator, and then they log in and they push the buttons. You get to push the buttons in the field from your car the minute it happens. I'm pretty jazzed about that. Yeah. Anyway, we'll keep going. So tracking cars. Now, what about generating interest? I know our time is going. There's all kinds of tools you can get for generating interest. You have church sign-up cards where people come to your church and you have a little kiosk or a little station or a little, you know, uh, uh, personal ministries desk or something. Have you heard about our Bible school? We have to get that phrase in our church. Hey, nice to be here. Have you heard about our Bible school? Now, if they say yes, praise the Lord. How did you like those lessons? If they say no, well, praise the Lord. Here's your chance, right? So it's a winning thing. Have you heard about it? It's a great icebreaker, and it's headed in the direction you want to go anyway. We want to enroll them in the Bible school. Have you heard about it? So it'd be great if you had a Bible school station set up in your foyer or somewhere so that have you heard about our Bible school or BibleStudyOffer.com, and you have a, business, a sign-up card. Now, the interesting thing is BibleStudyOffer.com obviously is a website. But if they're already there in your church, you don't need to send them away to a computer. <laughs> they can just fill out the card right then and there. And then you can put them in the computer for them, right? That so they're just signing up. Yeah, I'd like Bible study. Right, put your name here. We'll be happy to follow up with that. No problem. So there's a church kind of card. Just like that, uh, public display cards. If they're not in a church, then they don't have, obviously, the fill in your information because there's no one to give it to. But it's basically an advertisement. If you have a business or some, uh, somewhere in the community, a bulletin board or something you can post things on, you can put this up there. And it's just basically a, a, an advertisement for BibleStudyOffer.com. Um, we have the BSO Glow Tract size tract. It's like, technically, it's not a Glow Tract, but it's the same format as a Glow Tract, so it's a Glow sized tract. Okay, but it's going to look like that. It's about to be sent to print, so we're getting close on that one. Um, BSO business cards. I love the business card because they're even smaller than a Glow Tract, and they're single sided, so you don't have to unfold them and read through them and everything. Obviously, it contains less information, but got questions, and we're going to. One of the things we're going to be working on is making the advertising more engaging so you can actually have questions like, if God is so good, why is the world so bad? Mm -hmm. Oh, it, it's got a hook to it. Oh, it's going to be interesting. And they got those kind of, here's BibleStudyOffer.com. And this is a great supplement to any other glow track that you hand out. Stick it in there. It fits inside of, you know, it's, a, it's a great little tool to have. If it it's your pocket better, it's great. Uh, vehicle stickers, of course, are coming as well. We'll make those available. All of these things, of course, are going to be available, as they always have been, through the BibleStudyOffer.com website. So as a coordinator, you can order on behalf of your church, and these things can be delivered. There's also standing upright banners, you know, pull-up banners, and then I have X banners, or whatever. Basically, it's a, it's a banner that's like tall as me um, that can sit in your church. So you think about this. What if we had a, a, a church sign-up card and a nice display thing and made a nice little kiosk right there in the foyer of our church, and, hey, have you heard about our Bible school? It's right there. So it's not just a pamphlet you're handing out, it's, it's, it's built for this function. Of course, there's the direct mail postcards that are going to look like that, uh, that you can all just pay money and ship them out all across the, your territory. They do get results, right? 
But especially if you combine them with the personal work, it's, it's, you're going to get, and you might be saying, look at all these different things. Is there a kit that comes with all this stuff in it? Yes. <laughs> it's the BSO Starter Pack. comes with all the materials you need to help generate and follow up Bible study interests right away. So if you're just starting with that, what you want to do is the first thing you want to order is go to the intro pack. I believe it is... Now, the intro pack is going to have basically all those materials we had in it, plus the Bible study, including the Bible studies themselves, to get you started to basically build. All right, I've got a, I've got a, a desk out here. We've got a space. We need resources. The starter pack has all the different starter resources you have in it, and you can get that through logging into BibleStudyOffer.com. Now, we're not into the website itself. Exactly. We're not into the nuts and bolts of the website itself. We're going to actually walk you through the interface of the new website, what it's going to look like for a person who goes there, and what it's going to look like on your end, and how it's going to function tomorrow. So that's, if you have questions along that end, we're just getting there. We're working our way there. Other than that, we've gone over time, and I appreciate you allowing that, and I don't want to squash any questions, but I know tomorrow and the next day we'll be able for more questions. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, in, in your infinite wisdom, using us as your co-laborers. Lord, help us to know how to recruit other people to do the same task. Give us the tools we need, the training, everything, the courage and conviction to go out and do this work you've asked us to do. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org audio22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.